This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello one and all, and welcome to Behind the Glass. I'm your host, Sam, from the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass. And I'm Tony from Gravelwood Car Sales. Yes, you are. Uh, each week we get together, we talk about cars, motorsport, F1, car, what else? Cars? Cars. We talk cars, about cars, cars. Don't we? <laughs> <laughs> You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can watch us on YouTube.com forward slash Behind the Glass. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications. And Tony, if people want to support this podcast, what should they do? Watch it. No. <laughs> But also head to Patreon. You can support us on patreon.com forward slash behind the glass. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Oh. Don't know what to say. No. I'm staying at my screen going, how do I start this week's episode? Hello. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, I genuinely have no idea how to kick things off. But anyway, here we are. It's another episode of Behind the Glass. I hope you guys are all uh, uh, excited. <laughs> I am back from my road trip. Oh, yeah, you went away. That's what we're going to be discussing quite a lot about uh, in today's episode. Well, I mean, I've got, I had some work to do, but I would have quite liked to have come. Look nice there, boy. You should have come. Yorkshire. What a place. Oh, no. A bit of an eye-opening trip, i got to be honest. Yeah, there's some nice roads there in the... Pe- oh, the, my God. No, 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 North North Yorkshire I went oh. to. So I went to the Yorkshire Dales. Lovely. Oh, lovely is an understatement. So to, to bring everyone up to speed, if you weren't following the main channel adventures, uh, well, last week, but also this week, I suppose, um, I took myself on a bit of a road trip with a 360 up to, yeah, North Yorkshire. Yorkshire, the biggest county in the UK. Did you know that? I knew this, yes. Three big sort of driving areas or I guess national areas, the Yorkshire Dales, the North York Moors and a bit of the Peak District. Mm. So plenty of driving opportunities. And then even when you're not in those areas, still really nice driving roads. Uh, and yeah, I was just up there because, well, let's face it, none of us have been anywhere for a very long time. Fair. And you found a lovely place to stay. Oh, a lovely place to stay. Yeah. So there's a company up there called Holiday at Homes who purpose build 
holiday lettings. Fair. So they've got they've got uh, townhouses, they've got farmhouses they've converted, and then they've also got this area called the Brompton Lakes, which is like holiday homes by a lake. Super, super nice. Full disclosure, they reached out to me off the back of one of these podcasts, actually. Very good. A while ago, when I said I wanted to do some UK trips when restrictions ease, they dropped a note and said, look, if you're coming up to Yorkshire, we'd love to have you in one of our properties. And I was like, oh, yes, yes, please. Um, and they put me in like their biggest property at the lakes. It sleeps 12. On your own. <laughs> and I was like, hello. <laughs> Anybody? I actually got a bit scared at night. Did you? Uh, yeah, really? I, was, I was a bit too big. Um, but super nice and an amazing place to base myself. Yeah. Because it was part of the adventure. It, it felt like I was away somewhere. And, you know, well, you I had, was. Well, I was. Good point. <laughs> but you know, it felt like I'd left the UK. Yeah. It felt okay. different. I had amazing weather. Oh, my God. So lucky with the weather. Bright sunshine every single day. Glorious sunrise, glorious sunset. And then, yeah, amazing driving roads. So. It was spectacular. And, and if you haven't spent time in that area, do it. Mm. Really good driving roads. And yeah. a mixture of fast flowing stuff for, for proper sports and supercars. And then really narrow, tight and twisties for the hot hatches. Fair. So, you know, you can kind of go in anything. 360 so. all right? 360 was great, actually. Uh, one of the first things I did was go and visit Alexander's Prestige. And they looked over, kind of looked over the car whilst it's there. Did notice some kind of leak potentially around the steering rack or arms like that, but it wasn't anything serious. So they were like, you'll be fine to carry on. So the car is now going off to AV Engineering for like a post-road trip inspection. But, mate, it was so good. Yeah, yeah, good. Oh, I just, I love that car. Good, I'm glad. Yeah. Well, it's your car. I mean, you should love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, next time you should come with me. Um, but lots of interesting things happened that I now want to discuss. Mm -hmm. Before we get into that, though, you were working. Anything interesting happening at work? Well, not not really, other than oh. the fact I can't buy any cars. Like, you're always speaking off camera and every dealer's having the same problem. So, um, yeah, the, uh, stock is just short everywhere. Demand is high. And uh, I think not just the motor industry, I think just a lot of industries are finding that at the moment, as, you know. You know, I, I went to... Um, I went and sat in a pub garden yesterday. Oh, well done. Yeah, and it was nice. I went with a couple of friends, and it was just nice to sit there and see people out and about. You know what really done it for me? There was a, a group of four men. They were in their 50s, so your age. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely <laughs> your age. And they're all, they obviously hadn't seen each other for a while. They were all having a bit of banter, a bit of a chat. And it, like, because I, I, I like, people watching like I do watch people it's quite funny normally I take the piss out of them. Yeah, normally you do <laughs> normally you're quite rude actually yeah. <laughs> get us thrown out of most pubs yeah. <laughs> but um yeah it was just nice to see like for, humanity yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, really I, good. I'm with you uh as I say if you don't live in the UK uh very recently a lot of our restrictions have been eased not all of them they were still in some sort of form of well not lockdown but lots of things are still closed um but we are able now to at least go to outside pubs bars restaurants and you know drink and eat outdoors and meet with friends I think up to six people isn't it yeah so you know but it just allow I mean socialization socializing is is permissible again yeah you don't realize how much you miss it yeah it t it's taken me a while to get used to talking to people again though, yeah. like random members of the public you say, I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll have a coca-cola please <laughs> um, but yeah no it's been super nice so so you had a good weekend and just a busy a week. good weekend yeah. yeah just just at work stressing about the lack of stock stressing about yeah do you want to call in case anyone wants to set what, what yeah, do you, yeah yeah remind so, everyone what you're looking um, for so sports prestige hot hatches suvs um, not to four year old, up to sort of forty thousand miles. If you've got anything that you want to sell, can you? Is there an in like right now? Is the market really hot? As in, can you incentivize people? What if I was like thinking about maybe selling one of my cars? 
what would you say to people? Now is a good time to sell. Now is a so it's uh, it's a seller's market, not a buyer's market at the moment. Oh, there we go. Essentially, so so prices are high if you want to sell, um, and they're high if you want to buy. As yeah, well. yeah, yeah. But demand so is there, right? Demand yeah. is there. Yeah. So um, the problem is, is what we found is that a lot a lot of people are you know we always as a business, not just me, but as a business, generate part exchanges off the back of the cars. But what's been happening is people have just been buying cars. Now, that tells me that some people are buying cars that don't normally buy cars, as in, right. you know, they're just treating themselves. Because, Disposable income because correct. they haven't yeah, spent it anywhere yeah. else. Oh, I'll just buy a nice car. Don't know if I'm going to be out going go on Audi again this year. They're not really car people, um, but they just want to treat themselves. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, anyway, as I say, yeah, if you're thinking of selling, if you're on that sort of... On the fence. Give Tony a call. You never know. Give me might, a ring. Yeah, I might be surprised. Um, well, anyway, enough sort of uh, misguided natter. Not misguided, <laughs> but, you know, we were wondering. Filling in. We were filling in. We were wondering the podcast space there. Uh, first off, just have to say a huge thanks to, for all the amazing feedback for last week's episode, the Shmi 150 episode. Yeah. It was great to have Tim on. I think uh, we really enjoyed the chat, and it seems loads of you have enjoyed it too. So we actually might be welcoming a few new listeners or new subscribers off the back of that episode. So I promise you we're not usually <laughs> this bad at our intros. We're usually a little bit more concise and good at these things. Um, but yeah. We're just waffling. We're just waffling. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, thank you so much for that feedback. We, uh, Tim has very kindly offered to come back on the podcast sooner rather than later. So he will be back. Uh, and we are lining up more guests to, to come on. Uh, the, some of those that you'll know and some of those you might not. Well, we've got some more yeah. questions to ask Tim because, you know, 50 minutes with him isn't really, you know. Could talk to the man for days. Well, I mean, I don't know about that. <laughs> Sorry, Tim, if you are, Jim. But, but in, you know, like, there's a yeah. lot more we could have asked him. So, I agree. And um, fair play to him. He was very, he was very honest, as he always is, and uh, he's very transparent. And and I, I think it was refreshing for the listeners to, because there's a side of Tim that you don't probably always, because he's such a machine, you don't always probably see that on his channel. I think, so, at least within our sector, most. Uh, YouTubers that you would watch. So I'm talking about automotive car YouTubers. They are the same off camera, on camera, but on camera, even speaking for myself, you are a heightened version of yourself. You're, sure. you're yourself turned up to 11 because yeah. you need to bring the energy, you need to bring the excitement to keep viewers engaged. So the the Tim, you see the Shmi 150 persona is a persona he's perfected over 10 years plus on YouTube and it's a formula and he goes into that character. It is still him. He just turns up 10. The same, same with me. So I think it is nice that's why i love doing this podcast so much because you just can just relax it down a little bit and, and just chat more freely so yeah it was a great episode and people often ask me as well um are the youtubers are they the same off camera as they are on you don't give away my true accent do you because everyone knows i spill all this most of the time that's <laughs> 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 my real life <laughs> that's mine i know so. <laughs> like an australian I, I was being rude then. oh okay um, and, and I always, uh, I'm glad now actually, because when someone asks me how you, how you are, I say that you're a beep beep. <laughs> so I'm a beep beep. Yeah. I can't swear. It's a family channel. Say it and I'll bleep it out afterwards. <laughs> Cause I want to know what you're saying. An asshole. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't really. <laughs> I speak very highly of you oddly, but I don't think I will anymore. No, clearly not. <laughs> Um, okay, well, let's, should we get into some car chat? Yeah. Because we have been waffling for quite a while now. So, so 10 minutes in. 10 minutes in. So to go back to some of my adventures last week, because there were lots of things that I kind of wanted to discuss with you. Um, first off, I drove a McLaren GT. Oh, I saw. How'd you get on? 
You know, uh, people were a little bit um, surprised, I think, on in my comment section of that video, a bit like, oh, weren't you a bit overly harsh on that car? Because I was quite vocal on the video. I was like, I don't really care about this thing. And it sounded a bit spoiled. You know, there I was, beautiful Yorkshire countryside. Someone just throw me the keys to a, you know, 150 grand supercar and off I was going. And I was like, oh. But I just don't care about that car. Mm. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going to budge from that point. <laughs> okay, it looks a bit different to other McLarens. I like that. You know, I think you can I actually quite like the look. Of yeah, it. I think it definitely look. He stands out from the crowd. Mm. You go, okay, that's that GT one, and I understand theoretically why, if you want one car that does everything, it might appeal to you because you know it's very soft, easy to use, but it's a supercar, mid-engined, all these different things. But then also, I think it's a complete juxtaposition because if you do want luxury cruising comfort, why do you want a mid-engine supercar? Because it's it's a very comfortable McLaren. But it is still a supercar. Like, it is still bumpy. It is still mid-engined. It is still too quick. It does spin up its rear wheels very easily. Like, it's it's not ultimate luxury cruiser. And all McLarens are soft and comfortable, if you think about it. They're not the harshest riding cars in the world. So I'm just a bit like, I just don't, don't really get it. You don't really get it, yeah. And I always think of a... Of it, although they say it's a GT car, but a GT car historically is a is a front engine mm, Grand Tourer, Grand Tourer car, something like a Bentley, um, which is a proper something like mm-hmm. an eight twelve Aroma, yeah. Aroma, um, a GT four Lusso, an Aston. They're proper GT, and and you're right, all of them cars, although they are all different in their own characteristics, they are all fundamentally the same. AMG GTS, another, all, yeah, that's probably a sports car, but maybe not quite in that bracket. Um, but the the McLaren, you're right, is is as well. You know, they're all their mother cars. They're all like effortless when they drive. You know that McLaren engine? It's very laggy. Um, it's like an all or nothing, as oh, they all are. When it kicks in, it's quite squirrely. Yeah, well, all them other cars that I've mentioned, apart from the eight twelve, that's just a stupid car. <laughs> But but in general they're all very refined and all the power the, the, the you know it's linear right out mm-hmm. through the rev range and which is what you want from a GT smooth car. and yeah. yeah yeah so I get I completely get it mate but I think also it it makes a bit more sense now because when it first launched and the five seventy was still out that I definitely didn't get because you know five seventy GT and then the GT uh, that yeah it makes yeah. a bit more sense now that it's the entry level McLaren I kind of get that but as I say I just it's just not really a car for me not to say it wasn't good. Um, I still don't think they're selling many because you just don't see them anywhere. No. Um, probably a you know great value at the hundred and nineteen odd grand that Alexander's had that example. Are, yeah, yeah that, I mean you know because yeah. they were one six five new or something like that. So it's a great plus value options. used plus, plus options. options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 200. so two hundred grand car now now at one twenty. Um, but yeah, I just it was it was it was fine. No, me but, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree, mate. I so agree. I'm, I'm not going to budge from there. But. And I think you know I know we 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 really do try and be. Um, positive about McLaren. We, you know, we really, I know we yeah. really have bashed them, but, you know, we really have tried to be positive, but they're not really giving us anything to be positive about. And we are here to tell the truth, by the way, you know, as not, there's not many channels that actually do that, you know. Like, no, no, no. Like, uh, <laughs> no, no, I wasn't going to stop you, but I was just going to say, we also share our opinion. Correct. I mean, you know, like, like that, yeah, that's the yeah, other yeah, important yeah. thing. That car, as I'm not saying it's not a good car, it's just not for me. Yeah, fair. In the same way that a Portofino is not for me. It's not, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Ferrari. You guys all know, cut me and I bleed Ferrari. It's a very good car, the Portofino. It's not for me. I was not that keen. And that's the thing with the GT. I wasn't saying this is a crap car. I'm not giving it, I just, 
I just don't get it, and it's not it doesn't appeal to me. That's all. Yeah, it's just you know they think they changed their, you know, like you said, they, you know they bring a model out. I think McLaren changed their. They don't seem to have a structure. Mm. They change their mind every ten minutes. They think, oh, that doesn't work. We'll just change it slightly. We bring this new car in, and we do this. And yeah, they've not been around that long in terms of some of the other competitors, but. You know, when you've got cars on fire and, you know, stuff yeah, like that. I mean, we've no seen good. a few of this last week. We have, yeah. Well, on that day, the other car that was in my convoy was very interestingly a 718 Cayman GTS 4 litre. Good. That again, was part of Alexander's Prestige stock. Brand new car. 68 miles on the clock. Brand new. What, and they let it go out on the road? Yeah. They're legends. Alexander's Prestige. Very They're good. absolute heroes. Um, and I jumped in it. Off camera. It was good. Ma- uh, manual car. Manual car, bucket seats. Oh, really? Now- 718 seats. 718 seats. So, no, 918 seats. The full no, bucket. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I genuinely thought it was a better car for British roads than the GT4. Uh, yeah, well, that's what they say the GTS is. They say it's an everyday GT car. That's the whole reason why they make it. So this is the thing, right? If you're not familiar with the Porsche lineup, GTS is supposed to be like the the ultimate version of the non-GT car. So, so, you know, you take all the best options for your regular 911 and it becomes a GTS and then eventually the motorsport team get involved and that's where you get your GT3. So same principle for the Cayman. Um, It doesn't get the fandangled fancy suspension that the GT4 gets, Mm. but it obviously gets the same engine, only 20 horsepower down um, and not so much aero. But when you're on public roads, especially British roads, which are particularly bumpy and cracky and undulating, I thought it was a lovely place to be. You don't need aero for roads. Mate. You don't need aero for roads. And that's the thing is, I really... Ju- now, the price difference is as hu- isn't as huge as I thought. I think, and Alexander's Prestige, don't kill me if I get this wrong, but I think this car was listed for around like 74, 75 grand. You know, well, they had it up for. They had it up for, I think. Okay. And of course, we know a GT4... You know, with that, you know, brand new essentially is what, 95 with a decent no, spec? No, no, well, it all depends. I mean, 95 grand for a GT4 has literally got every option on it, mate. It's got ceramics and seats. Okay, so even so, nine, so it's even closer. What I'm trying to say is that the price. There's a 10 of it, grand difference, I okay. would think, probably. And so that 10 grand really is only worth spending if you're going on track. Yeah. See, I. But I wouldn't take a GT4 on track me. I'd have a GT3. Well, I know you wouldn't. <laughs> on RS. Por- Porsche nerd. But, but, I'm just, I, but the problem, because it's actually only 10 grand, and this is where we get into the sort of badge rivalry, I think everyone's always going to go for GT4 if they can get one, if they can get a slot, if they can get an allocation. Well, they're around. I mean, or, or they're around. You can yeah, buy them, yeah, you know, around. a similar kind of concept. Because, be, because it's a GT4. Do you see me? Mm. Like that GTS know, was so good and so enjoyable to drive and such a great car. But it's not a GT4, is it? No. And so whilst the GT4 might be a bit too firm and a bit too hardcore and a bit too low riding for British roads, I think that I probably even still, that would be my choice as well. Yeah, it's similar like with the 911, with the 911 Turbo and then the Turbo S. For that little bit more money, you'd probably just buy the Turbo, which is, sorry, the Turbo S, which is which is why people in general, you always seem to see more Turbo S's than you do Turbos. Agreed, but if you look at it in 911, a 911 GTS versus a 911 GT3, completely different cars. Completely different. Completely different mentality. Yeah. But the with the 718 Cayman, it's much, much closer. Mm. So you're only literally mo- losing a couple of components. The price gap is, again, as I say, minuscule. It's, it's, it's that really hard one where if you're really sensible, 
you should just save the money and get the GTS. But I, I do think everyone would still get the GT4. It's, it's, a, it's a really yeah, weird fair, one. But it fair. was a very, very good car and, and a car I'd like to spend a lot of time in if I could. Mm. So I appreciated the opportunity. Uh, it sounded good as well. For a brand new car, it sounded it? good. Yeah, it sounded throaty. like that a lot. Well, look, we can't talk about Porsche, not talk about the big Porsche news from last week, which was the release of all the press drives of the new 992 GT3. Yeah. So everything came out. I think, you know, we had Chris Harris, we had Autocar, we had Car Wow, JWW, I think, had a go. whole load of different videos came out across the globe. I watched uh, a bit of Chris's. No, I watched all of Chris. Uh, no, I watched Chris's Up to the Track and I watched the Car Fetcher one with Henry Catchpole. Those are the two I watched. Okay. Um, I learned nothing I didn't already know <laughs> in the sense where very good. Of course. I mean, but didn't we all assume that? Of course. It's that weird thing where it comes on. I actually think the hype isn't as much as it was four months ago when we started to see teaser images, because by now we just know it's just going to be great. Yeah. So I watched the Top Gear one. Okay. Um, and quite rightly so, you know, there was no bad words to say about it really in general, because what can you say bad about a GT3 car? It was interesting, and I'll probably agree about the comparison with the old car that it isn't really much better than the old gt3 it's better obviously because it has to be better but it's not like that much better which is you know people get carried away it's got this and it does this but how much you know if you've ever driven the old dot 2991 gt3 you realize how good that car is when we remember when we spoke about it and we said when i had the rs coming we thought well if this is so good, how good, how much better can the RS be? But Porsche always managed to do it. But they never ever, they probably could increase it and make it 40 or 50% better. But then they've got to do the same with the RS and then the next model and the next. So they always only make them 10% better to protect their brand. That's why they do it. So, uh, you know, the old GT3 was very good. The old GT3 before that was very good. The next one's always a little bit better. So it kind of just confirmed all our faults, really. It's quite refreshing in this this day and age. You know, as I say, they've kept true to the formula. They've not done anything too crazy. Mm-mm. As I say, just, just incrementally made it a little bit better. The only thing that I picked up on watching those two bits of content is that it does sound like it's quite firm. It does sound like it, as a road car, it sounded closer to what I remember a GT3 RS experience being than than a old GT3. It's because it's got rose joint suspension at the front, that's why. So, yeah, and it just, especially when what Chris was saying, that it, you know, it does feel quite aggro on the road, theoretically. But the so, old car did. The yeah, old but the old car, car did, but I mean, the RS really did. Terrible. The old car was edgy, but 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 not manic. It, I got from both of them, Catchpole and Harris, that, that this car might be even a step further. Like, it's less dailyable than the previous generations. Fair. Um, which will make the touring, I think, even more attractive, especially because of that huge wing. I'll be very interested to see how many people end up going down the touring route. Not that the touring's actually been confirmed yet. No. I know a lot of people talk about, I can't wait for the touring, but actually Porsche haven't said that it's definitely coming or not. Uh, I think they did, didn't they? Have they actually I, definitely I, I, confirmed? Yeah, I think they said that there will... I, I think in one of the interviews that I saw, I saw, I think that Andrus... Okay. I think he did... Brudlinger. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Cause I can't <laughs> say his name, but I'm sure he said. I I don't think he double confirmed it, but okay. I'm sure he said in conversation. Fine, you know, there will touring be, is coming. Yeah, I think that's going to be the one based off the last generation that a lot of people think that they're going to want to go for. Well, you love the touring. Don't oh, you? I love the touring. Yeah. If I had a lot of money and I wasn't 
imminently, you know, or if I wasn't hunting a G, uh, an F type GT3 touring, I'd be, I'd be saving all the cash up for that yeah. bad boy. Yeah. But you know, it'll be a lot when it's See, so. I wouldn't. You know, yeah, I, I know. It's I, not I your just thing. Just have a GT3, yeah. I know you would. Yeah. Another car confirmed or, or at least, you know, finalized last week. The 812, what do they call it? Version Speciale. Yeah, which is peculiar, but. Which is not the final name. No. <laughs> <laughs> just to clarify, do you know the final name? No, do you? I'm pretty sure, unconfirmed, it's Competizione. Fair. 812 Competizione. Uh, they've got rid of the GTO moniker, which they were thinking of at one point, which would have really seemed like overkill, I think, and, yeah. and in misplaced. So as far as I know, it's Competizione and Competizione A, as in Aperta, because yeah. they will, of course, have got the 812 GTS. Yeah. It's very obvious they're going to do I uh, like a spe- the 812 GTS, so I do. Who, you know, uh, yes, I like it. I still, it still frustrates me that it's so readily available. Fair. You know, but, but the but now they're doing now they're doing a competizione aperta. I'm like, okay, that will be the really Halo special special. That will be the Halo car at more than double the money, probably three times the money. And then like, you just have the GTS, wouldn't you? Just uh, well, okay. So here we here it comes down. Styling wise, I actually think it was a little hideous. The, the GTS? No, the new one, the version oh, oh. Speciale. Yeah, it was a bit weird at the back, wasn't it? I don't like it. It's yeah. too much going on in yeah. the serrated... Like, now, in person, it might look mega. It will. I think sure. if one turns up, we're going to go, wow. Yeah, yeah. But from the photos, I was a bit like, oh, my God, calm down. Like, I it don't was, think the, the colour and the stripe done too much justice as well. Someone in Ferrari's marketing department needs to get fired because <laughs> every time they reveal a new car at the minute, it's the worst specs. Yeah. They just keep destroying like the SF90 with the leather, black leather, silver wheels. Poo. But mm. I saw a black one drove past me on the motorway this weekend. Amazing. Yeah. So someone needs to get fired and, and yeah, those, <laughs> launch, those launch pictures which were sort of I guess a little bit computer aided as well. I just, oh, I just saw it and I was a bit like, oh, come on, mate. It looks a bit fab speed, Novatech-esque. Like, I said, I'm sure we'll see one in person and I'll freak out and pass out. But I wasn't that excited. I was a bit disappointed of anything. I wonder if the the head of the Ferrari marketing department, I wonder if he's the head of BMW's marketing department. (laughs) (laughs) They both need to go to Specsavers. But I am excited by the fact that I think, is it nine and a half thousand RPM they're saying for the V12? Amazing. I mean, that is... Is this the last one? Oh, let's not get into it. I don't know. Is this the last... We can't. I mean... Because really, let's be honest. I mean, we're still nine years away from... But remember, okay, go on. Sorry. We're nine years away from these manufacturers not being allowed to build. To sell. To sell. Sorry, yeah, to sell. They've all got to be registered by 2030. In the UK. In the UK. So why are we flapping now? I mean, there will be another one. I mean, I, I would be very surprised if this was the last naturally aspirated V12 from Ferrari in Grand Tour of format. Yeah. You've got to remember, this is, you know, this is the, the top dog. This is their special version. Speciale. Um, so it's always going to be a bit of a nuts engine, as was the TDF. When the TDF came out, that engine was insane. But that was the last one, apparently, oh, wasn't mean, it? You know, Do you remember? It's like the last manual GT3. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then when the 812 come out, that's why everyone went mad and they uh, shut the order books because everyone was under the assumption it was the last V12 ever. But also, one. I am totally not against if Ferrari stick in a hybrid unit for that next, you know, V12 GT. Like, We've already got the technology. Yeah, it's like, you know, I'm all for, like, who cares? Like, yeah, at that yeah. point, I'm all for it as long as that V12 engine actually stays. Um, so, 
Yeah, I'm sure this thing will be nuts. It might be terrifying, which will make it even better. I mean, as if an 812 Superfast needed more performance, just didn't. But I just don't like, don't think I like the way it looks. It's a faster TDF, isn't it? Oh my god! That's but yeah, be. but it, remember the disaster with the rear wheel steer on the TDF that wanted to kill you around every yeah, corner. Yeah, yeah. I think they might have sorted that out. Yeah. Hopefully, do you think they sorted that? Fingers crossed. I mean, Ferraris tend to want to kill you anyway, mate. The yeah, the good ones do. They're, <laughs> <laughs> they're very direct, aren't they? Anyway, mm-hmm. the way that they drive, and you know, all of a sudden you could be driving down the road fairly briskly, and 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 if you back the traction control off and you get on the power. Of, in a certain gear, it will just go all piss no. off. I'm not yeah, doing yeah, yeah. What are you doing? Send you into a tree. Yeah, you know <laughs> that is just the co- that's why we all love them because of course. they just they have their own their own unique driving style. They make you feel alive. <laughs> Or dead. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of that, we got a video, I got a video going live on the main channel this weekend, which I don't want to reel too much about, but it was driving two very special Ferraris, like outrageously special Ferraris. And from different eras, the, you know, back-to-back generations, but but different eras. And it was amazing how the speed of modern Ferraris... What were they? I don't want to... Oh, you can tell, surely... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. A lot can happen in 3 years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Very cool. Very cool. Okay, so yeah, that's coming this weekend. You're going to have to stay tuned. Um, <laughs> I but, hope someone not picked it up on the uh, mic. Someone will. <laughs> someone will figure it out. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> The speed of modern Ferraris is the impressive, ele- is, is, it's the terrifying and impressive element because mm. the older cars, so much character, so much persona, and they would kill you because of other factors, you know, yeah. like just, you know, things going wrong. Or yeah, like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the new ones are just so quick and driving back to back in two such close but such different generations, it was like, wow. Yeah. Amazing. So, yeah. yeah, well, we'll talk about that next week once that video's been live. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, from big, shouty V12, lovely, naturally aspirated GT3 engines, let's talk about EVs. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because, again, picking up on uh, our chat with Shmi last week, I think because of the era that we're living in, EVs are going to be part of our chat every single week. Do you not think? I just, it just ca- keeps coming up. It just is. Like, we can't avoid it. Well, Renault do a car now with two hundred quid a month for an EV. I mean, that, I mean, it started now the value in them. Cool. Uh, no, <laughs> and I'll tell you another thing as well. You're probably going to talk about this. 
Can you talk me through this Formula E yes, racing? we're going to come on. I, I no, no, don't, get, don't, get, don't get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> so all I wanted to pick up on was our continued chat about infrastructure. And I just want to clarify something here because, you know, and, and we do still owe it to the audience to bring on an EV specialist. Need to do our research and find someone who's really into this kind of world. Yeah. But a lot of EV lovers love to come on and talk to us about how naive we are how we're stuck in our ways. We sound like old men, like we've got to embrace the future. I see like, this a lot. Yeah. Oh, you sound so naive. You've got to do your facts, do your research before you talk about EVs. We have. We do. We continue to. <laughs> and as I say, you know, being in the world that we're in, we are, I'm constantly speaking to manufacturers about EVs. I'm constantly speaking to experts of which I should invite on. Tony, obviously in your world, you're now having to Personal really, experience. Personal experience yeah. too. So- one thing I wanted to just jump on, last week I was speaking to somebody who's in the utilities business, a hugely successful company within the UK who supply electricity, gas, all these different things to, to every household name company you could think of. Think of any kind of company in the UK, these guys are a utility company supplying them, guaranteed. So we got into the EV chat and the point being with infrastructure, yes, it is charging points, but that is only one part of infrastructure. Tony has spoken before about how dealerships are having to build entirely separate areas of their dealerships for like battery management, for used EVs. And for, I think these are the small problems. These are definitely the small problems. So that's another side of it where you've got the actual you know, the point of sale or the after sales or the used car sort of element. But the point that he, the guy that I was chatting to made was that if this weekend all the people that drove to Cornwall last weekend from London, London to Cornwall. The same people did the journey this weekend in EVs. The national grid here in the UK would fry. That's the big problem. Would die. That's the problem because we're already at, he probably never told, well, he might have told you the figure and I might be wrong, but we already run at uh, about 95% of our electric capacity Already, and I mean, there's not even any electric cars on the road at the moment. You wait till we've got millions of them, yeah. then what are we going to do? We're and always on the brink. Correct. And so if suddenly the demand for, for charging, for, for running EVs increases significantly, our natural grid here in the UK at least would not be able to contend, cope. to cope. And so, you know... I know people will come back and say, well, they're putting, you know, wind farms are going up and they're, they're finding ways to increase the amount of electricity. But all of these things, firstly, is a huge amount of money and time. And still to be able to cater for the demand of the UK of what we said last week, which I think was a reasonable thing, 80% electric, 20% combustion engine kind of setup. We still couldn't do that here in the UK right now. Uh -uh. So that's what we're saying. That's the hesitance. That's the sort of thing. So there is a lot going on here, and it is a debate that I think we're going to continue to have for years ahead. As long as this podcast is going on, we're going to be talking about EVs. Which is fair, because we, we, you know, we're here to, to report to you guys about personal experiences as well. So, you know, sometimes we see in the comments, we don't know what we're talking about, but we can only talk about our personal experiences of what we've experienced in these EV cars. Mm -hmm. If you guys, I would think that quite a lot of them have never had, an never had the experience, they're just commenting... Um, and as well, the UK is not the same as America in terms of, of course. the way they're set up, their infrastructure. They might work much better in America EVs. We don't live in America. We live in the UK. So we predominantly are talking about the UK. Absolutely. And, you know, I think the other thing to say on that is we are obviously open-minded and always keen to, to learn. Like, like, like the feedback, the knowledge, the insight is super helpful. But I just wanted to clarify that because I saw a couple of those comments which have been 
have been there, you know, week on week recently. Mm. Uh, and I think I, we needed to clarify what we meant because we often say, oh, the infrastructure is not good enough. The infrastructure is not there. And we don't simply only mean charging points. That's all I wanted to clarify. No, no, no. These, they, they are the small problems. And, and if you think we don't know... You're a bit naive because we do know. We just don't always have time to talk about the whole. Oh, we the don't whole know everything, pack. though. We do. We, we, no. <laughs> we definitely don't know. Anything. No, we don't know nothing. Uh, and, and we're definitely always keen to learn more. But, but, but as yeah, Tony made a good point that we're always just trying to relay stuff that we've been told or of we've course. experienced, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that's just one thing that I just wanted to clarify. But so we're always open for more EV, or at least I am, more EV information and to open my eyes. There up is to another things, thing in all of this as well, mate. And I and I noticed driving through London the other. The day a few petrol stations are being knocked down now and mm-hmm. rebuilt. There's one at the bottom of the A3 and mm-hmm. uh, Wandsworth. Yeah, there. that's being being uh, changed to a big shell with loads of electric. Yeah. Shell are doing well, loads of EV charging stations. They are. Yeah. yeah. Well, how much emissions and climate control is that going to? Yeah. You know, you still got lorries coming in to. to it's huge, you know. This it's isn't whole this isn't this isn't the biggest problem. There's there's other problems in the world, not just cars. We should start calling this behind the carbon emissions. Your your EV infrastructure. Well, we podcast. do need a man here though that could. Well, really I expand. know, I know. Maybe we should get. Um, but sometimes we are pissing in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, pissing in the wind is a great way to describe the Formula E race this weekend, because here we are talking about uh, infrastructure and batteries and charging, and I will finally put my hands up and admit that Formula E was a disaster this weekend. Yeah. So, for those of you that missed it, formerly racing on a permanent racetrack for, I think, the first time, if not the first time in a long time. Usually, they're always racing on, you know, uh, improvised street circuits, very tight, very narrow, very technical. Uh, but for this weekend, they went to Valencia, Valencia, uh, and decided to race on a permanent circuit. And, and they run out. <laughs> yes. Long story short, of the 24 runners, I think nine finished because oh. in the last two laps majority of the drivers or cars ran out of battery. Yeah. I mean, this was the biggest PR blunder from a sport, I think, since the F1 Indianapolis race back back in the day when they were to pull in because of tyre issues. So now it gets a bit complicated here and it's a bit silly. Basically, nowadays, when there's a safety car goes out in Formula E, the FIA or Formula E themselves... manage the amount of power that the teams or the drivers have left going into the end of the race to keep it interesting because obviously when you're behind the safety car you're using less battery and what you don't want is going into the last four laps everyone has 12 laps worth of battery i kind of think you do want that because then it's flat out racing but they like to keep it interesting and they want people to manage their power for those laps so that's what they do they sort of do a percentage and they reduce it the teams are saying that fia slash formally got those calculations wrong and they put in for six laps when actually there were seven laps to go. The FI and um, Formula E saying, no, we gave the right amount, but it was your drivers racing too far. Because again, this is where it gets so overly complicated. The gap on the last lap between the drivers determines how many laps until the checkered flag when mm-hmm. the time runs out. Mm-hmm. If the driver in the lead, who I think was Felix da Costa, had slowed down a little bit, backed up the pack a tiny bit more without losing a position, he only would have had to done one lap. Mm-hmm. But because of the time difference, he went over and they had to do two more laps. And so they did one lap, they all made it across the line, and then everyone ran out of battery. So I think they run out of battery because they're on a proper track as well. Because if, 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 you're, on a, if you're on a smaller, tighter, narrow track, you're going to use 
less energy. They must have used more energy on that track. It's the first time they've done it. It seems a bit of a coincidence to me. The first time they've gone on a proper track, used all that energy and they've run out. You would think that's the case. And that was my first assumption. But I do think this, they had four safety cars. And, and that is a big part of it because they were manually reducing the amount of energy these, these cars had. So that is a big part of it. But you're right. If ever they had a chance to prove themselves as a racing category, here we are on a normal track. Look at what we can do. Look at what we can be. I just think, you know, all of my enthusiasm for the idea or the concept of that sport, I just felt embarrassed. Like I, I just thought like, well, that's just cringe, isn't it? And if I was a manufacturer using this to kind of PR the future of my company and there were my cars running out of battery. I mean, it was just like, come on. And then the race too, the following day, the same thing nearly happened. <laughs> they had to get on the phone to their driver onto the radio and say, slow down, slow down. Slow so down, I was going to run out of battery. So you had to back up the pack. Lewis, to Lewis Hamilton. Well, I mean, fuel management does happen in F1, but not really anymore. They like, don't run you know, out though, do they? Well, they, they make sure they don't, but, but you saying. know, like it, it, it's, oh, the whole thing is, it was just a, a real poo-poo moment. And you know what? We'll go back to it. If F1, they're running lower fuel, you know what they do? They come in the pits. Well, they can't actually refuel them anymore. Oh, right, really? Yeah, yeah can't refuel oh. them for Oh, well, I didn't know that. Yeah. Really? Yeah, can't refuel Oh, well, then they'll just retire then. That's yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had, someone did run out of fuel not that long ago, and there were a couple of people who've run out of fuel on very parade rare, laps right? though, and stuff like that. Well, because they calculate it precise, very precisely. Yeah, yeah. And they can fuel manage. They can do much better fuel management. Well, the EV batch management... There's only so much you can do. Yeah. You know, I think the I think um he was six minutes off the pace on the final lap or something like that. Yeah, mate. I mean it's a joke. Yeah, it's an absolute joke. joke. Uh, or maybe the whole lap time was six minutes. Anyway, either way, I, I, I did feel like it was a bit of a nail in the coffin, maybe not the final nail, but with manufacturers leaving Formula E, with Audi releasing a road car that was faster than a Formula E car when they use that in their own promotional tools, it was a disaster. And now that car's running out of batch. I, I was just a bit like, oh, this does this does yeah, not feel it did good. Stink. And it did stink. Yeah, and you know what as well with with a with an EV car, which also always find alarming, is when you get to naught on your range, mm -hmm. that's it. it oh yes, yeah. like a golf off. buggy. Yeah. Gone. <laughs> when you get to naught on your petrol car, quite often you've probably got a gallon's worth of fuel left. So if you're really flapping. Within 30 miles, at some point, you will find a petrol station. Whereas with an EV car, that's your lot. Yeah, you're And done. then you're damaging the battery as well. It's like your mobile phone. If you if you keep running it, running it, running it low... Till it dies. Till yeah. it dies. You, you just... And then you've got the life of it. It doesn't... You know, the, 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 the batteries don't last the length of the car. It's eight or ten years, they think. They don't even know yet. So... There's a, there's a huge amount of unanswered questions for me. I don't think we're ready for 2030 at all. I think that will get moved, if I'm honest. To keep it on the motorsport angle for a second, because we run the risk of, I guess, repeating ourselves a bit. You're right, but but but, but I think we, we've touched, touched on that a bit last week. So I think what I would say about Formula E is that if they were out going out there to prove what EVs could do right, to make EVs sexy... Quick, attractive, interesting. Would you surely not build the, like, call Rimac, call Tesla, make the quickest, craziest looking single seater EVs ever? Make the racing, like, they should do 0 to 60 in 0 0.5 seconds. They should have. No driver then. Yeah, they should have much better <laughs> soundtracks. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. 
that would be, and, and I think when they switched from the Gen One, Gen the, the the newer cars, there was a hope that oh, this feels a bit more exciting. But but they really feel like they're going backwards now. And you got Extreme E, which upon reflection maybe wasn't as exciting as I first thought it was. And then they've launched EGT, mm. GT3 mm. EVs. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you've the the only way to get all of us g'd up and excited about this is for the evs to be mad like when we saw a rimac concept 2 or concept 1 we all went heck i'd have that ev like because that was cool it was launching everywhere it looked like a supercar it flew up the hill everywhere and you're like wow you like evs mate remember no no no. i do i no. i'm i do like evs and i'm open to the idea of evs but what i'm saying is that everyone is letting themselves down and especially from pr and a marketing side and formula e i am frustrated this is coming as a frustrated fan because we've spoken about this podcast before i like formula e and they just came along and kicked me in the gonads because now i've had <laughs> like to sit I here do every week. yeah and, and explain how a sport promoting ev technology has allowed all of their cars or you know 17 of their cars to run out of battery before the end of the race well they need to do something because at the moment I'm being proved right. You are being proved right. And you probably right. don't like that. No, I really don't like that. <laughs> now we're going to finish up today's episode in a bit of a weird way. It's been a general, you know, car news catch up uh, anyway, but I wanted to touch on actually another podcast that I listened to. Oh. Which is the F1 podcast, Beyond the Grid. It's not my, my F1 podcast. That's after the checkered flag. <laughs> a lot of people suggested uh, be behind the grid, but that's obviously just like the F1 one, Beyond the Grid. And I wanted to get your thoughts on here and outside of a Formula One sphere, but it's essentially sporting great or people who are fundamentally great humans. Because I listened to an episode with, they call them the Brackley boys. It's four guys from Mercedes-Benz who've been at the team for 20 odd years since, mm -hmm. the, since the BAR days. And interestingly, they all spoke insanely highly of Michael Schumacher. Mm -hmm. My personal hero. There's posters of him on the wall around my studio. Uh, you guys know I obsess over him pretty much uh, every day. Mm -hmm. um, but what I found really interesting is they got to work with him during his comeback to the sport, his three years with Mercedes, which as fans or as a fan, you know, you don't look and say, oh, those are his greatest years. But listening to as many interviews as I have and doing as much, you know, sort of uh, in-depth research into that, that period, you soon learn that actually the man was still the genius that we all think of him as. Mm -hmm. And he took that team from basically nothing in 2010. You know, obviously they won a championship the year before, but basically nothing and built them into the dominant team that they are now. And at the end of the interview, they asked all four guys, who do you think the best driver you worked with was? And they all said Schumacher. Mm -hmm. And most poignantly, they basically all said their biggest regret of their career was not getting Schumacher a victory whilst he was with Mercedes. Okay, And it's a really interesting thing of basically... His whole, his whole sort of remit, why he was so special was his work attitude, his methodology of giving 150% to any task. He knew the name of every single guy in the garage. He knew what everyone was doing that weekend. He wanted to know exactly why they were doing a testing plan, how they were doing it, and would just get on and focus and deliver that job. The bits that we don't see. The bits we never see. Yeah. And... I thought it was interesting that none of them mentioned Lewis as great drivers that they'd worked with. They all admitted he's in, an insane raw talent and has clearly improved himself year on year. But I don't think he's necessarily, as hard as he works, is not going to the levels that Schumacher did in terms of you know building those things. Now, the reason I wanted to ask you about this, because I know you're not the biggest Formula 1 fan, is Jose Mourinho just got dumped again, didn't he? It the is, special yeah. one. Yeah. From my football team. From you, oh, for, oh, that's your football team? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Okay. Is this a sensitive subject? No, 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 no. Okay. No, no. What is it 
you know, we see great people like, you know, Elon Musk, Jose Mourinho, Michael Schumacher, that go above and beyond their their role, right? Their certain job criteria to deliver results. And often, it's not always witnessed from the outside. Schumacher's years at Mercedes, overlooked. Didn't look like it was a great success. Mourinho just got dumped from Tottenham. Tottenham? Tottenham, yeah. Tottenham Hotspur. I mean, there's a, football's a very odd sport. It's, it, you know, it's all about results. And he wasn't getting results. And, you know, the way the team were playing were not good and not how they expect the team to be mm. playing. He, if I take him as an example, he gets under people's collars and he upsets people and he and he he's a winner and some of the some of the the teams that he's managed in the past some of the players in them teams they're not winners he probably likes things done a certain way and he's proven I mean he's won 20 titles a bit like Schumacher dominated F1 there's not just Mourinho there's other sportsmen within the football world that they're just winners and that's there's not many of them people mate in the world they're, they're leaders of men. They're elite at what they do. And when we say elite, real elite people, it's rare. And last week we were talking about social media, YouTube car collections. And I think these days there's a lot of sort of bravado, right, about what success means, how to get success. I was watching a really interesting YouTube, a guy called Los LeBlanc, who's a big travel YouTube, and he did this video talking about how he sort of, you know, turned his career, turned his life around and go out there, follow your passion, do what you want to do. I think the biggest thing which sometimes gets missed these days is the amount of work in every single corner and area it takes to really succeed to the level that some people on social media pretend to succeed. And what I picked on with this, picked up on with the Schumacher sort of conversation was, as I say, the amount of things that were going on behind the scenes, which, which he wasn't going out there to talk about, and at the time people weren't talking about, but he was doing to make himself and make that team the best. He realised that he needed that support. He realised he needed that team around him. And he applied himself to, in such a way that throughout his career, he was the best driver and he's review, regarded as the best driver because of not just his on-track abilities. Mm, yeah. And Mourinho, I'm picking up, it's kind of that same thing. He might have had losses. He might have been a bit you know, hit and miss. In your world, people might see you buying and selling cars, but that's not your day-to-day job. You've got to apply yourself in so many areas. Correct. Yeah. So the way I see elite as well, in all sports, and, and F1 and football is, is similar um, in the terms of they have to rely on other people. So you can be an elite sportsman like Jose and, and some players as well, uh, Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, they are elite people in the sport because the way I calculate elite is they're at the top for a long period of time and every year, because you can do it for one year, it's like if you're a really good businessman, it's no good earning good money for one year, you've got to do it every year consistently for a long period of time. Elite sport is the same. Schumacher might have achieved more if the people have around him had have been like him maybe a bit more he he would have stood out around them people because he's a special person Hamilton the same Ham, I, I would say that Hamilton was in the same mould the difference with Hamilton is he's now got the best team around him as well whereas Michael Schumacher like he said he'd he had to build the down. team up yeah. correct and he'd been let down which is why he, he may uh, in terms of facts and and uh, prestige in the sport, uh, Hamilton will probably overtake him in terms of honours and stuff. But that doesn't mean that Hamilton's better than him. It because they rely on a team. 
Whereas uh, tennis, boxing, of course, uh, if you look at Djokovic or Nadal, um, uh, Andy Murray, I would say is not elite because he's done it once and then you know it was a bit played, of a played by injury, but still, yeah, 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 yeah. But 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 Djokovic and and Nadal and Feb, Federer, they and they rely on a trainer, but they control their own destiny, mm-hmm. destiny is what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. Some other sports rely on other people to control of their own destiny. But the elite people, they stand out from the rest. And and tennis and boxing, like we look at uh, Tyson Fury and, mm-hmm. and, and um, yeah, he's, he's one that really stands out, Tyson. Um, Mayweather, mm-hmm. undefeated elite sportsmen that have been at the top forever. So that that I, I think that's how you separate yeah, and I think what I was picking up on with Shmir, and the reason I kind of got thinking about this is, you know, I, I do get a lot of emails and messages, and I feel like, especially now since lockdown, you know, people have unfortunately had to lose their jobs or are thinking of career changes. They've spent time at home. They're thinking, how can I change things around? They may be watching content. They're inspired. I think the point being to succeed to, a, like like with Shmi, to, to be at a level where you can go out and achieve these big successes, you have to be the whole package. It's not a matter of focusing in one area. And yes, you pointed out key elite sportsmen, but the likes of a Schumacher, they elevate the people around them as well. That was the point of the Schumacher interview. Which was, is what elite people do. Yeah, he brought that team up. He, 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 he motivated them. He, he told them what they should be doing. And he, he brought that team up with them. And I think th- this is the thing is that sometimes you can look at social media and you can see one part of somebody's life or job and think, oh, I could do that. Mm. Or if that's all, okay, fine. All I need to do is go and do X, Y, and Z. Good luck. Yeah, and good luck. And and not realise that to really, I think, and I'm sure this transfers over to any business or any industry. If you're looking to go out there by yourself at the moment, if lockdown has been bad on you, or maybe you're just thinking it's time for a lifestyle change and you want to set up a new business or you want to set up something in the creative industry or a car dealership or whatever it might be, it, it takes so much determination and professionalism and that's the biggest thing especially in the social media world which often you know people say oh I'm so frustrated because you know I I haven't got that many subscribers or people won't lend me cars or whatever it's professionalism you've got to sit there and you've got to put a plan in place and you've got to assess every element of your business and come at it from a million different sides it's not just about making videos to run a a social media or at least a YouTube channel, there's a huge number of elements which go into that in terms of planning and networking and thinking and researching and analysing and then also improving. Like That's the other thing which I think of course. you've got to do. And I'm, I'm definitely not claiming myself as elite in, in those worlds, but I'm just trying to give, weirdly, some part of advice off the back of a lot of people I seem to have spoken to over the last couple of months who've been saying, I want to do X, Y, and Z, I want to go out there. Why Can you guys give me some advice on starting a business or starting a channel, something what it might be? And it really got me thinking when we were chatting to Tim who's been doing that for 10 years. And we came off air, we stopped recording. He got his laptop out straight away because he was uploading a video that was going live five minutes later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whilst he was doing that, his manager was messaging about some brand deal. He's just go, go, go. And I still aspire to, to be at that level, you know, but that's what it takes to, to run a business like Shmi Moffati. With you as well, every time Tony walks in here, he's usually on the phone to whoever it might be, either buying or selling or checking stock or doing whatever it be. And usually the minute we come off air, you're doing the same. And I'll always be jumping on Instagram. But... I think that's what I was impressed by is that it proved to me once again, the Schumacher story, to really get out there and to do what I think all of us want to do, sitting at home, looking at us, going, oh yeah, let's go and be like Elon Musk. You have to dedicate yourself in every single area of your life. The, 
don't want, just do. Yeah. You, just and do don't it. expect. Don't expect. I don't think, ask anyone. Just go on and do it. If you can do it, do it. If you can't, you can't. Because the problem is the percentage of people that actually can do it is so small, mate. The people that actually succeed, that kind of work for themselves, you have to, I tell people this quite a lot, you have to be a special kind of person to work for yourself. You have to be really motivated. You guys have to be really motivated because you don't know when your next dollar's coming. You know, you, 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 and and the, the thing that really separates people that, that get on in that space in life is when things are tough. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy when things are tough to go back into your comfort zone. I'll oh, just go back and get a job, or I, you know, it's just a little bit easier. Maybe I'll revisit it another day. If you're doing that, you're not you're not that person, and you can still have a lovely life, but you're not that person. When things are tough, is when you really know if you can do it for yourself. And and definitely, it doesn't just mean sole employment. You can be an elite human in a company of 3000. Like, of you know, you, you, can. you can work your way through up and you can bring people up with you. You can motivate troops around you. I think this, the point being that maybe I was getting not frustrated, but a lot of my replies were the same of maybe it's a generational thing or whatever, or social. I just feel like sometimes social media does people a disservice where it suggests that things are easier than they are. Well, that's you know, exactly what it suggests. And I think there's that sort of thing now where people expect a lot to be given to them or a lot to sort of turn up, you know, oh, I've got 5,000 subscribers, I should get a free stay in this hotel or whatever it might be. And it's, you know, you need to be dedicated, you need to apply yourself and you need to take inspiration from the likes of a Schumacher, from a Marino, from a Schmi 150, from whoever it might be and realise... I wouldn't push me in Mourinho. No, 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 but it depends which world you're in. No, I know what you mean. Within my sector, Shmi is an inspiration. The the churn is inspiring. So, you know, find those people and realise what they're doing that maybe you're not and learn from it and take it on. And and don't get jaded by this social media appearance of life's easy and, and life should just fall into my lap. But that's what, unfortunately, mate, we spoke about this before, that is what social media portrays. And has done to the world. And it's another reason why I don't like it that mm. much, for that reason, because we understand the mechanics behind it, and yeah. it's really not like that. But but it portrays that, and people that, that are looking out, that are, sorry, looking in from the outside, they think it's just easy, because they all see is a picture of a nice car, or a nice watch, or a lovely house, and... Not always people understand how then people have got that. And some of it's a load of crap. Yeah, yeah a lot of it can it's be lies. It's not even their house or their <laughs> car. Or True that. You know, I, I think maybe I am venting or, or, or ranting slightly, you know, and as I say, I, I didn't mean it to be, but I just, I was very inspired or, or very um, motivated by this podcast. I say, go and listen to it, if you, even if you're not really that into F1, but you're intrigued by, you know, personal success, uh, you know, and, and what it takes to operate at that kind of level. As I say, just try and skip through to the section, you know, really about Schumacher and how these guys experienced him. And I, I think it will prove to you, you know, what it takes. And it's not always top line success. You're not always going to be, it's not always going to be evident the success that you're having or the success that you're having amongst your team. As I say, with those Schumacher years from the outside, it didn't look like it was going well. He didn't have the results apart from the last year. But internally, they all thought he was the absolute hero among men and they all credit him with the success that they're having now. So, you know, that's what it is. And I think, um, you know, there's plenty of examples like that. Great documentaries out there. I also watched the Tyson, um, uh, Mike Tyson versus 
Frank Bruno documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was super interesting. Yeah. Just like, you know, at, at the moment, as people are all starting to think about their lives and changing up how they do things. I know it's not a particularly car-related segment, but we've, we've done a couple of these kind of more businessy segments before. Yeah. And I just, it's been building up on me recently. And it's like, I want to talk about these people as well that we're speaking about, and just in general, you, you probably always have a person that you maybe look up to or you aspire to. Don't hate them people. Um, follow them. As yeah. in, you know, not following them as in be a sheep. Look up to them in, in what they've achieved and try and be that person. Yeah, like you and Tom Hartley. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't look up to anyone because I'm not a sheep. But, but, oh, here he is. No, I don't. No, no, I'm but, you know, it's not, it's, not, it's not me. It's not, I do my own thing. But, uh, you know, if you're trying to get to a certain level, don't hate someone because he's doing yeah, well. of course. Look up to him and, and aspire. Yeah, to yeah, like take him. note. Take, take note. your own path. Don't take their path. Take your own path. Make your own way. That's exactly it. So, yeah, sorry if we lost a few of you there towards the end. So, uh, just something that... Yeah, that I, that I wanted to talk about personally. Um, but yeah, a good a good episode to catch up on all things. Uh, next week we are going in on. Oh no, are we the best selling cars of all time? Thought I give that a teaser. No, 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 no. We did the best selling cars. This is of all time, mate. Oh, right. Of all, since since time began. So just just you wait and see. There's a few to get through. Uh, You've um, got a list. I'm oh, I got a list. Don't worry, I got a list. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> and then as I say, we've got some guests. Ahoy! So uh, yeah, don't worry. We'll be back next week for another full-on episode. Uh, if you've enjoyed this, uh, you can follow Tony at Tony Gravelwood Car Sales on most social media platforms. I'm at Seen Through Glass. Uh, my coffee, which is very uh, casually positioned here, is An available. Uh, there, there's, there's, <laughs> don't ruin that. They're empty packets. <laughs> Drinkperla.co.uk forward slash STG. Check it out now. Uh, and we'll be back with you for another episode next week. Bye bye. See ya. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.